Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflection from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Keith Nestor, and I will be your guest host this week. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflections. It's a time where groups from around the state and country get together, open with prayer, and read the Gospel for this week's Mass. Then the group discusses what the gospel means to them and how it is impacting their daily life. So that's what we are doing today. And joining me this week is my good friend and special guest, Mr. Devin Schott of the ministry, The Fathers of St. Joseph. Devin, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you for referring to me as Mr. Devin Schott. Mr. Devin Schott. Yes, <laughs> Sir Devin Schott. Lord Devin Schott. Oh, whoa. We went too far. There's we only one far. Lord. <laughs> well, speaking of our one Lord, I'm going to say I'm going to say a prayer to that one Lord, and then we're going to read his word. How's that sound? Amen. All right, let's pray in the Sounds name of the Father great. and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, you are our one Lord and one King, Amen. our one Savior who has come to us. And when this world tries to intimidate us and Scare us, Lord, we know that in you, we have courage because of who you are and because we're with you. As we study your word today, may it reach into the deepest parts of our heart so that whatever is happening around us or to us or even in us, we know that when we're with you, it's all going to be okay. So speak to us through your word. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gospel for today... Amen comes from Matthew 10, verses 26 through 33, and it reads this way. Jesus said to the 12, fear no one. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. Even all the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my heavenly father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly father, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Fear no one. Think about that. I mean, I don't know, Devin, but when I hear that, I think of like a WWE wrestler standing there going, I fear no one. You know, it's like, that sounds like so manly and so powerful to fear no one. But yet how possible is that? Obviously it's a command from our Lord but I think the reason he tells us to fear no one is because we really fear everyone. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, <laughs> you know, and I, I've heard, I've heard people like Jocko, John, you know, Jocko, other people, they say that it is not that like when they go into battle, they say that it's not that they're not afraid. 
It's that they overcome the fear. And I think that that's what Christ is really calling us to is he's saying, yeah, you are going to be afraid. There is fear is going to invade you. But the key is, is you must overcome the fear. I would just ask all of us to reflect on what do you fear? And I think rather than whom do you fear? Because because at first, this will help us to recognize who we fear. When we recognize what we fear, so for example, financial loss. I fear the loss of my job. Um, I fear that my wife's going to leave me or my child is going to leave the church. When we begin to fear these things, or like I'm going to die and nobody's going to love me, whatever, remember me, then what we need to do is connect that fear with the people who are in control of whatever it is we want. Because St. Thomas Aquinas says all fear is rooted in the loss of something or the potential loss of something. And that's the key. We've become afraid of people because we're afraid of losing something we want because we think that they have control over that. When ultimately it's the Lord who has the control, ultimately. Amen. And that's what Jesus is talking about here to the 12, because these were men that were going to have to stand toe to toe with people who could take those things away. But what Jesus reminds them in this text is that even if everything in this world can be taken from you by a man, that there is, there's a limit to that, but there's only one who has the power to take away what really matters, and that's your soul. And who is that one? That's God. And yet yeah. it's interesting how, especially in our society and culture today, people have lost that fear of God and everyone fears everyone else. We're afraid that someone's going to be offended by what we say or what we don't say or by what we buy or by what we don't buy. And if we offend the wrong person, we can lose our job. We can lose our businesses. We can lose our friendships. And we walk around in fear of what people can do to us here in this world. And yet God is reminding us, look, you're to fear no one, only me. Yeah, that's really good. I think that um, in our culture, we've been taught that to be offensive is is the, the the sin. You know, the greatest sin of our time is to be offensive, you know. And I, I, personally, I think that actually Christ was probably the most offensive person that's ever lived on this earth. I mean, he... He comes to his own people. I, I love the Nazareth scene. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus came to our church right now and did what he did in Nazareth, where he said, you know, I tell you, you know, there was, in, in, there was many lepers in all of Israel, and yet it was not to any of them that the prophet was sent, but it was to Naaman, you know, the, 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 the Syrian, right? And it was not to any of the widows that, you know, there was all this, there was a drought, there was no water. And it was to none of them the prophet was sent, but it was to this widow, you know, who was not even a Jew. And I think that, you know, that's very offensive, you know, and they wanted to kill Jesus because it was so offensive. And I think that one of the, the litmus tests for us in our living of Christianity and our belief in Christ is, are we offending people regularly? Not on purpose, not in a way like, hey, I want to just tick people off, but look, are you saying the truth? Because the truth is just naturally invasive and offensive. And I think that the problem with Christians right now is that we're generally defensive. We're, we're in a protection mode. We're afraid of the little Christianity that we have is going to be taken away. No, we need to be on the offensive, which means by being on the offensive, you're just naturally going to offend people because you're bringing truth right into the mix of things. And our culture desperately needs truth right now. 
And that's why Jesus said, look, what you've heard in the darkness, what I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you've heard whispered, proclaim on the housetops. He's telling his disciples because they're going to need to do this. He's saying, look, I have called you together and given you the deposit of faith, given you the truth. Now it's going to be your job to proclaim that to everybody because why? The world needs it. If the world didn't need that, then Jesus wouldn't have sent them to do that. But it does. And guess what? It still does. And these men had to have the yeah, courage. Yeah, and there's something else. But I love what Jesus says. He says, what I say to you in the darkness. And we tend to just think of Jesus 2,000 years ago with a little meeting with his 12 disciples in a private room somewhere around a campfire. But he's talking to us. And where do we hear Jesus in the darkness? It's, it's in our prayer time. It, and it's, it, it's in the sufferings of life. So, so Jesus is saying, you've got to be listening to me. You've got to have my mind. Put on the mind of Christ. How do you put on the mind of Christ? You can't know someone if you don't spend time with them. This is a call to prayer. Jesus is saying, you need to spend time with me to know me. By knowing me, you will carry my voice to the world. You will carry my word to the world. You will hear me in the darkness, the darkness of prayer time in the morning, the darkness of the trials in your life, and you will be able to carry that wisdom and that truth to the world. But you cannot give what you do not possess. If you are not listening to me, you cannot speak of me. And I think this is a problem with churchmen these days is that they, they, listen, they listen very little to the word and therefore the words they speak have no power. I mean, you think about what the disciples had to endure and they had to understand that this was going to cost them. And you know the power behind something when you see what people are willing to do for it. Because no one is going to sacrifice themselves for something that doesn't mean anything. But the power of the gospel, of course, shows the world the meaning of Christ. And in those words that we receive from God, we recognize that they have power so much so that we're willing to die for them. We're willing to lay ourselves down. But I think it's interesting here that Jesus is saying that in the midst of this, don't be afraid because even the number of hairs on your head are counted. He's saying there's nothing that's going to happen to you that is outside of the ultimate will of God. And even when the body is killed, because he never says, oh, don't worry, they're not going to be able to hurt you. He says, even right. though they can, that's not what matters. What matters is your eternal soul. And, and God has the power to, to grant you eternal life or to send you to eternal torment. So we need to be concerned with pleasing God and doing God's will, not trying to please the masses or the mobs because they'll never appreciate us anyway. And even if we do, we can gain all of their approval. But if we don't gain the approval of God, what does it do for us? But yet, what do we do? You know, we, we, we get so worked up about what other people think about it. So much to the point where we're feared. We fear them so much that like Peter will deny even knowing the Lord. I think this is interesting that Peter himself, even after hearing Jesus' words, and I'm sure at the time Peter thought, yeah, yeah, I'll do this. You know, Jesus said to everyone who acknowledges me, I will acknowledge before Father. He said, yeah, you tell him, Jesus. And what does Peter do? In that moment around the campfire, he has fear of a little girl. That's, yeah, what, yeah. that's what fear will do to you. You know, when you let yourself be overrun with fear, you will become irrational and completely out of control to where you are so worked up in your mind, you'll fear things you don't even need to be afraid of, things that are so much beneath you. And that's what happened to Peter. He denied knowing the Lord. But here was the beautiful thing. 
at Pentecost, when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him after he'd been restored by his Lord, Peter stands up and he acknowledges Jesus before the entire region gathered there in Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost. He was no longer afraid. What do you think the difference was between Peter, who was afraid, and Peter, who had courage? The Holy Spirit. I mean, that's the only way. I mean, this is... Yeah. So, so to comment on the idea of fear, I, I've talked about this. I've written a book on it, but fear is F-E-A-R, you know, F-E-A-R, which is feelings, emotions, attacking reason. And the reason is logos, the mind of Christ. And what we do is whenever we're afraid of losing something that's important to us, our feelings and our emotions, they well up and they can convince us that carry to the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what happened with Peter. Although I would give Peter a lot more credit than most people give him because I mean, this guy tried killing a guy, trying to cut off a guy's head to, to, uh, to spare his Lord. He even followed the Lord all the way into Caiaphas's courtyard. He was there throughout the trial. I mean, and then finally, yes, he, he failed, but, and that's all of us. I mean, we were walking with the Lord. We think we're doing well. And then we fail. But I think that like you've touched on something that's extremely important, as St. Paul says. He says that, uh, how does he say it? He says that if I am a friend of the world, I am an enemy of Christ. Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. I am an enemy, yeah, of Christ. I'm hating God. So so the the point is that I I, I think that ultimately – it's going to come down to, am I more afraid of the world or am I more afraid of my eternal destiny? You know, what my judgment. And I think the problem is, is that in this world, we see, we feel, we touch. And we're so afraid of losing that which we see, we feel, we touch. You know, you look at all these awesome uh, movies or uh, miniseries, the, like where the, 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 the main uh, good guy, if you will, He's fighting for what's right, but somebody's got his daughter. It's always like that. Somebody's mm-hmm. holding something, his wife, his daughter, something that he beholds as important, holding it ransom so that he will give up on pursuing the good. Hey, you keep doing that. We're going to kill her. you know. And that's the way Satan works with us. He holds whatever it is that we hold dear ransom and says, if you keep going – I'm going to make this extremely difficult for you. Wow. I'm going to I'm going to take this away from you. And you remember the movie? I never watched it, but the movie Silence. Did you watch that? No. Where the Japanese martyrs, it was all about this priest who in the end what happens is he's doing all this good thing. He's trying to help people to get through their martyrdom and everything and finally all these people are dying because he's not betraying the faith. He's not apostatizing. And from what I understand, the nemesis comes to him and says, "Look, if you just apostatize, you will save all these people because we're killing them because you haven't apostatized. And so he apostatizes. He gives up his faith so that these people can go free. That's the way Satan works. And you know what? The world looks at that and goes, oh, yeah, that's right, because he saved those human beings. He cared for them, and, and therefore he gave up his faith in the Lord. But guess what? That's because we're all living for this world and not for heaven. We've totally forgotten that we're living for heaven. But that's what we're doing right now in our culture all over the place is we're giving in to that which we can see rather than believing in that which is unseen and is prepared for us. Well, let's talk about that for a minute with this whole, the way that this text ends. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, 
I will acknowledge before my heavenly father, but whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly father. Let's talk first about some ways that we can acknowledge him. You know, obviously we can talk about the Lord, but, you know, acknowledging God isn't just about what you say, is it? Hmm. It's about, it's about every part of your life. We acknowledge him um, with how we spend our time. You know, we acknowledge him with the way we worship him. We acknowledge him with how we treat our families. We acknowledge God in, in, in all sorts of ways. It's not just about saying, yep, I believe in Jesus. Now let's go to the bar and get wasted and get crazy, you know, which, so you said you love Jesus. I always think about that when you watch like, and I don't anymore, but when I was a kid, you know, you'd watch like these award shows and you've got the most vulgar person in the world receiving an award for their vulgarity. And they stand up. I just want to thank God. And you ask yourself, okay, did that person really just acknowledge God? Is is yeah. is just mentioning God the same thing as acknowledging Him, or is there something more to it than that? Yeah, because you don't yeah. want God just to mention you when He sends you to hell, right? Oh, hey, <laughs> I want to thank you know Keith Nestor. Now have a nice time down there. No, yeah. it's 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 it, there's when you acknowledge somebody, what you're doing is you're affirming who they are and that you are, and that you're with them. You know, you're, you're acknowledging them. Like when you see somebody in public and you acknowledge them, that means that you recognize them and that you're saying yes. Yeah. It's, it's even deeper than that though. A- acknowledge, n- acknowledge comes from the root word knowledge or no. Yeah. So what we're saying is we're saying, I know him. Exactly. I know him intimately. That's reflected in everything I do. I know him. I live for him. I love him. And I, I think it's so funny, like, like there are times when I'm at a grocery store, this used to happen and there'd be a pretty little girl who's checking out, you know, my groceries. Right. And I know I'm supposed to say at the end, God bless you. But I'm like, have a nice day. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like what the heck? I mean, that's St. Peter around the fire. Have a nice day. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> so, so like, that's one way that we can begin just to acknowledge that we know him is like. God bless you, you know? And that's like, I, you know, uh, Peter Kraft had this book called uh, Jesus Shock. And the idea behind it is, is like, you just throw, just test this, throw out the name of Jesus in the next combination you have in public with somebody maybe who's on the fence or isn't Christian. Everybody just stops. Everybody's whoa. like, whoa, what, what did you do? It's, it's like you just dropped an F-bomb. And, and I mean, in fact, you can drop an album and people react as much as when you say Jesus's name in public, you know, people are like, Whoa, did he just say that? That's totally crazy. He just said Jesus's name, you know? And, and so, and I think that that's the, the power of Jesus's name is so incredible because it's, it, it, we know what it stands for. And that's why it's so abused too. But I think this idea of acknowledging Jesus isn't just saying, Hey Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is cool. Or I'm wearing a cool little Christian t-shirt no, it's like I know him, and that knowledge of him is reflect, reflected in everything I do. And even, and I think this is especially good. We Christians, we make so many mistakes. We Catholics, we blow it all the time. We say things that we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't, especially online. But you know what? If you really know Christ, you will ask for forgiveness. And this is the time when we look bigger to the world is when we look the smallest, when we're asking for forgiveness, when we're humiliating ourselves. Because that Amen. is a true Christian who acknowledges acknowledges his wrong before the Lord. Because if I really know the Lord, then I'm going to be willing to admit that I know that I'm wrong. 
in front of other people. And when I admit that I know that I'm wrong before other people, that means that I'm admitting that someone else is right, which is truth, which is God. Amen. Amen. And and these ways that we acknowledge God, if you're if you're hearing that, I think this is a this is one of those like spiritual hacks to where like a like some kind of life hack. If you're just like, man, I just want to I want to get closer to God. I want to figure out what to do, but I'm such a schmuck. I'm I struggle with holiness, I struggle with sin. Start with this, my friend. Find a way in your day to start to acknowledge Jesus to someone in real time and watch what happens to your spirituality. Just look for a way that you can do that. Find a way where you can express to someone, hey, I know him, and, 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 and drive the conversation toward him. Say the name of Jesus. Give God some, yeah. some, some props in your life to people and, 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 and speak about him. Acknowledge him to people, and you'll be amazed at what can happen in your faith. And trust in that promise that if you acknowledge him before men, he will acknowledge you before your heavenly father. And that's what you want, right? Anything that you would want... Jesus to say about you to the heavenly father, start saying it about him to other people and watch what happens in your life. Consequently, we have to be careful of this warning that whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly father. That's a horrifying nightmarish thought, isn't it? To imagine the Lord denying us before the heavenly father. I mean, that's, that's just unbelievable to think about, but that's a warning that if, if what we do in our lives denies that we know him. And of course, there's lots of ways that we do that as well. Lord, forgive us. But we've we've got to recognize the danger of that. Denying the Lord. It's it's it's, tough. Yeah, I think. Well, well, I think that we do it in such little ways that almost seem imperceptible. Like, for example, signing an email and saying blessings. Blessings. I mean, like whose blessings, you know, what blessings, you know, oh, you mean God's blessings on you? Oh, you, or, or bless you, bless you. No, you mean God bless you or, or even more may God bless you. You know, I mean, like think about how uncomfortable that is to actually say to someone, may God bless you. That's uncomfortable. But what we do is we shorten it. So it sounds a little bit cleaner. God bless you. Then we shorten it to bless you. All I'm saying is, is that we have to test ourselves and, and actually be truthful with ourselves to figure out where we're cutting corners in acknowledging God and acknowledging Christ before others. That's a great, that's a great point to start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at our culture and it's kind of set up that way. I mean, think about what happens around the time of the holidays where, where, you know, now it's, it's a rarity to hear someone say Merry Christmas Everyone says happy holidays. And when someone says Merry Christmas, it's almost like they gave you this secret handshake that, hey, I'm a real <laughs> Christian, you know, Where, yeah. whereas when I, I remember when I was younger, that was just everybody was like, Merry Christmas. Merry, I mean, you could see that everywhere. Now you don't see that because everyone is afraid to that acknowledging Jesus is going to be offensive to other people. So we fall into that trap. But I, I really think it's it's something that we have to take seriously. Look at our own lives. Look at are there ways where we have denied him before others? And denying the Lord isn't just standing up going, I don't know, Jesus. That's not what we're talking about here. You know, I mean, for, for the disciples, that was a reality. They had to deal with that because they were being threatened with their lives. And there are some places in the world where that still happens. But we, we live in a culture and society where our denials of the Lord 
look a little bit differently, don't they? Maybe it's things that we will or won't post about on social media or things that we will or won't attend or things like that or how we speak to one another. There's lots of ways that we deny. You know, I, I think about even it could be even something as simple as, you know, when you're out of town with some family and friends, do you make sure that you attend mass? Or do you say, oh, I don't need to do that because we're not at home. You know, that's a denial of Christ by refusing to worship him because you don't want to inconvenience someone or it's it's whatever. You know, friends, we have to recognize acknowledging and denying the Lord isn't just about what we say. It's about so many other things. And the consequences to whether we do or whether we don't are pretty severe. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. You know, I I would ask myself, I'm like, how much do I talk about my kids to people I know? How much do I talk about my wife, you know, in good ways, I mean, you know, I'm proud of my wife for this. I'm proud of my kids for this. And then like, but how often do I talk about what God's doing in my life or what God is doing in the world? And, and, you know, we, 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 I think we Christians, we Catholics, we have a lot of, uh, we talk big. God's number one in my life. God's number one. And then you start to drill down a little bit. Okay, so how much time do you spend with God? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I go to Mass on Sunday. Okay, so you give him one 152nd of your time, you know, out of 152 or whatever hours it is, you give him an hour, and you're probably checked out for a half an hour of that anyway. You know, I mean, like, I think, like, if, if you evaluate it, how much time do I spend at work? How much time do I spend it in sleep? How much time do I spend with my friends? How much time do I spend with my hobbies? How much money am I spending on those things, on myself and in these things? How much money am I tithing to the Lord? How much time am I spending with the Lord? If we're giving one-tenth or more of all that to God, great. I would say, yeah, that's a good litmus test or a, a benchmark to say, yeah, God's probably number one in your life, you know? But I think that Usually for most of us, God is a long distance seventh hmm. in our life. And that is how we deny him. When, when, we, say, when we say, yeah, Lord, I, I, I love you. I know you, but I'm not giving my time. I'm not giving the first fruits of my money. I'm not giving the first fruits of my heart to him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things will be granted unto you, you know, but we don't. Amen. Amen. Friends, that, we could talk about this on and on and on. And, and Devin and I do in lots of different ways, but... We're out of time today, for my friends. Um, I want to thank you for joining me here today, Devin. Uh, tell people where they can find out more about you and your ministry. Sure. You can go to fathersofststjoseph.org and find out all about us there. Check, check that out, my friends. You'll be thankful that you did. Well, once again, my name is Keith Nestor, and I want to thank you for joining us here today on Reflections from the Heart, where we study the gospel for the upcoming week's readings. Get to Mass this Sunday and acknowledge the Lord, my friends. Take care and God bless. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, 
is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.